Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to the first episode of the 2019-20 NHL season for the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa, and we're going to do a real quick uh, look ahead into the Vegas Cold Knights season. And this episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, we will be right back. All right, hockey fans, Golden Knights fans around the world, this is Mark Warner along with Chris Lee, so we're going to jump right into it. We've got, we're going to do two episodes this morning. We're going to do an episode uh, featuring the Vegas Golden Knights 2019-20 look ahead, and then we're going to do a second episode immediately following this one that's going to bring in Jeff Duarte from Cali Sports News. Their NHL editor is going to help us break down the rest of the Pacific Division in our season kickoff. Chris Lisa, good day to you, sir. Year five, believe it or not, I did some calculating this morning. This is year five of uh, me and you, buddy. On, yeah. uh, obviously, you, you, you started uh, the Vegas Hockey Podcast a little before that, but uh, uh, this is year five together, which is kind of crazy. It feels like yesterday, but it feels like 12 minutes ago we just did the free agency show. But uh, be, be that as it may, yeah, I, you know, uh, let's let's dive right in. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, some changes, but for the most part, a very familiar roster. Uh, you know, the really big change was at the deadline adding Mark Stone. Um, you know, for me, the the big talk of uh, camp will probably be Cody Glass and how of a realistic shot does he have to make the team. And um, I think he's going to have to, from a stand, from a number standpoint, right, uh, how deep the Knights are, uh, he's going to have to either a combination of blow them away of, like, this guy, we got to get him in the lineup, and or – there's some injuries, and they'll need him to get him in the lineup, but they're not going to rush him. In fact, if I was a betting man, which I often say that I am not, which I am not, uh, uh, I would say <laughs> he'll start the season w- with the Chicago Wolves, and, you know, along the way, there will probably be an injury or two, and you- you'll see him at some point during the season, which probably makes a lot of sense. But, um, again, I'm cut- probably cutting him a little bit short. We'll see how training camp goes, but that will probably be one of the hot hot topics of uh, training camp tonight. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And just real quick on the uh, history of the show, I would, I did some digging myself, sir. And your first episode with the Vegas hockey podcast was as a guest draft analyst on June 15th, yep. 2015, where you came and joined me and Tommy Buffalo to break down that 2015 draft. And it was pretty, pretty good draft to have you on. And then the rest, the rest from there is history. Um, yeah, I think Cody Glass is going to be one of the headlines as as we head in, into camp. <clears throat> the other the other interesting roster thing um, is going to be the replacement of Colin Miller by one of the one of the rookies. Uh, we we could be looking at Nick Hague's debut uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights or a uh, combination of Biscoff and. Dylan Coughlin looks to be generating steam, as well as White Cloud. So there is there is a spot on the roster for one of the young defensemen to make the club. And Jimmy Schultz, 
just ended uh, the um, suspense. He signed his entry-level deal, $850,000 per, which is just about all the cap space the Knights had after after the summer that was. Um, so Jimmy Schultz looks to be really polished after four years. Hobie Baker finalist last year. Um, I'm really interested to see how the defense pairings end up matched up as we head into the season. So you've got uh, uh, maybe a roster spot or two open with the forward core that, that Cody Glass might be able to jump into. He said at a um, presser as rookie camp uh, opened up this week that he was familiar playing the wing, but he prefers center and the team prefers him to be a center. Obviously he looks to be the uh, heir apparent to that third line center position short term uh Cody Eakin being a free agent at the end of the season, which you would hope that Cody Glass could do enough in a, in a, in a role between the AHL and the NHL this year to seize that spot for next season. And that will free up some cap space going into next season. And uh, the season after that, Staffney will be gone. So he would be looking at moving up into that second line center role and, and, cementing his spot on the roster so yeah two two roster questions kind of in, uh, up in the air as we head into camp but those those will be the two major two major stories heading into camp would would you say yeah i would i would agree and um you know when i look at the knights from a thirty thousand foot perspective you know last year 13th on offense 10th on defense so good combo Twenty fifth yep. on the power play, obviously that's got to get a lot better. And fourteenth on the PK, like to see that get better. So if you look at it and say, okay, thirteen on offense, decent, but like to get better. Twenty fifth on the power play, so those can go hand in hand. Like if they could even go from a bottom five power play to the middle of the pack, they can easily be, you know, a top ten offense and. You know, having Mark Stone for the full season, I don't think it was uh, a coincidence that Max Pacioretty probably played his best hockey when Mark Stone arrived, and a more consistent Max Pacioretty will go a long way with that. And then improving those PK numbers, uh, let's say, again, from 14th, middle of the pack, let's say if they can get into the top 10, could even uh, reduce those goals against average and maybe – go from 10th on defense in terms of goals allowed to, you know, 8th or 7th along those wet, along those lines. So, uh, you know, like I said, I think this is a very balanced team. It's got a good combination of uh, youth and and uh, players in their prime with a couple of veterans. Uh, it, 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 it's really in good shape uh, for my money. I, I, I guess the only red flag I can see for the night is um, – Marc-Andre Fleury does turn 35 in November. And I think that's something that, that we've talked about in the past. That's something that uh, Jara Galan and the front office should just keep an eye on in terms of maybe trying to reduce his workload a little bit this year. He's still going to play a lot of games, but maybe instead of playing, I don't know, 60 games, maybe he plays 50 games, right? Isn't that the new analytics committee uh, say that, you don't want your starting goalie in the regular season really going a much above 50 games because uh, it has an adverse effect. So my only, I guess the only red flag I see for the Knights is, and I could say this about just about everyone or a lot of teams, but, you know, because Flurry has had 
concussion issues in the past. He, like I said, he will be 35. He's still, he's still on the top of his game. But that's the only thing I can see is if you told me uh, come January 1, wow, the Knights are really struggling, and I had to guess why that would be, uh, that would be like, oh, Flurry must have gotten hurt uh, along the way. But uh, I, like I said, I like where the Knights uh, are heading into the season overall. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the sports books here have them as, as real close favorites. Um, just behind Tampa Bay to uh, contend for the Stanley Cup. I think your point on Marc-Andre Fleury is very valid. Uh, Malcolm Subban returns as the backup goalie, and I think they're in his – in order for Fleury to be um, conservative with his games played uh, from Gallant's perspective, uh, there has to be a trust – in the consistency in Malcolm Subban's game, which we haven't been able to see out of him in his NHL career so far. So if he can get off to a good start, if they're using him a little bit more than you expect in early in the season, and he can make the saves he's supposed to make, because we've seen Malcolm Subban make spectacular athletic saves. There's no question about that where he struggles is sometimes is, is he loses his, his fundamentals and his positioning and, and lets in goals that should be routine. So if, if they worked with him and, and he's been able to work over the summer and becoming a more consistent goaltender, well, that's going to go a long way, obviously, towards letting Mark andre Fleury get the rest that he needs in the season to, for this team to make a deep playoff run. Yeah, and I, the way I look at, at it, too, and, and I'll give you a sneak peek of how I'm thinking about the Pacific, you know, clearly to me, I, I feel like there's a gap between Calgary, San Jose, Vegas, and the rest of the division. So if Vegas was in one of the other divisions, um, maybe this wouldn't be as true, especially in the beginning of the year. But I do think they have a little bit of a luxury uh, from the, from the division that they're in and, you know, especially early on, you know, those first couple of months, let's see what we really have in Subban from this standpoint. Any back-to-back situations, there's no way in my mind Flurry should be playing back-to-back games, like, you know, play games Wednesday, Thursday kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, yeah. give some Subban. Uh, again, Flurry's going to play most of the games. You know, I'm not saying that uh, we're, we're doing a, a, a 1A situation here. But like to see his workload go down a little bit. You know, like I said, he, he, you know, not that he's an old man or anything. I would love to be 34 going on 35 again. But um, uh, oh. he's in phenomenal shape. Uh, but, you know, that to me is is the only uh, thing where I would circle as, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, let's let's make sure you don't lose more contrary Flory. But like I said, I think this is a very – this is a very balanced team. Uh, and obviously, they've had a lot of success in their first two years. Uh, you know, we could go on and on on how last year ended. But, I mean, you look at how they've played in the playoffs and uh, how good they've been at home. And uh, you like where this team is at. There's more young talent coming. An interesting side note um, is this team – which has a lot of expensive players on it, and in terms of, you know, high-priced players from Stone and Pacioretty and Fleury, and then locking up some of their young core guys like Theodore and and Alex Tuck and so on. Uh, so they have a lot of guys, you know, that consume 
a good portion of their cap, and because of which we we saw some changes this off season. Um, uh, but you know they do have set seven pending UFAs, with probably the highlight guys being Cody Eakin, Ryan Reeves, Nosick, Holden, and Merrill. So um, odds are that they're probably only, and then a couple other complimentary players as well. Um, odds are they're probably at best only going to be able to retain a couple of those guys. You know, maybe one of the defensemen and maybe one of the forwards. And what would be interesting to me is if at a certain point, if if Cody Glass starts the year in the minors and he shows them that he's ready to take over, um, and, you know, maybe they wind up trading Cody Eakin because, uh, you know, they can get value for him during the year, especially if, uh, the year he had last year. Because uh, obviously if he plays the year out, which is nothing wrong with that, and then he walks as a free agent, you're not going to get anything returned for him. But, uh, you know, at this point in the, in the game, though, it, it's about putting your best foot forward to having 2019-2020 be as special year as possible. So you have to you have to balance that. That's the most important criteria. But uh, like I said, it'll be interesting to note that some of these other guys, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I think most of those free agents, unrestricted free agents, uh, we saw it with Carpenter, right? He was a good player for them. They, they couldn't afford to re-sign him. Uh, they traded um, – uh, God almighty. They traded to Carolina. Oh, God. I'm They're getting hot. back into the swing of things. Thank you, sir. And uh, and yeah. uh, your boy went to Colorado. Uh, 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 Bel- Bel- Pierre Edward Belmont. Bel- yeah, Belmont. So, um, yeah, those are all good players for them. So, I think that that's going to be a theme. Uh, something not to worry about now, but down the line there will be some more tinkering and changes. But uh, uh, you have to like where the Knights are uh, heading into the season. Yeah, uh, that's, you, you touched on it right there. The other thing that uh, might be a, a concern is the the forward depth with losing Eric Halla, who was 29-goal scorer in 2017-18, after all, as a second-line center. Um, and also, one of the things that Gerard Gallant does is he's a four-line coach, and yep. the, the veteran Pierre-Edouard Belmont um, – Obviously, they would have liked to keep him, but the victim of the salary cap, uh, he goes to Colorado. And I, they're counting on Nicholas Roy, who came over in that Eric Hall deal, to yep. be that fourth-line center. If not, Nosek does play center. He can, And he has done work with that fourth line um, with, with Reeves and Carrier. So he can, if if Nicholas Roy doesn't show that he can be that fourth line center, then Tomas Nosek certainly can center Carrier, Carrier and Reeves. But uh, Pierre Edouard Belmar is one of their better penalty killers, and you already mentioned that one of the things we'd like to see the Knights do is move up in the penalty kill rankings. Um, to go from the Pierre Edouard Delmar to the 22 year old Nicholas Roy, who really doesn't have any, you know, NHL experience to speak of, is is a, is a question mark for me. Is how much is is Gallant going to be able to use that fourth line to drive play down into the opposition zone, and <clears throat> excuse me, keep them pinned in there as they have been able to in the past, letting uh, the first second line 
you know, play a couple less minutes than you would normally think and keep them fresh because, I mean, Carlson and Smith both do double duty power play and penalty kill. So that if you could take a couple minutes off of their overall ice time, you keep them fresher, obviously. And, and so that's, to me, is the, the other question I have about this team is that, that forward depth on the bottom, bottom six. And Perry coming in as the – as the the heir apparent, you know, third line left wing, uh, Gusev, Gusev went to New Jersey, so right. Which I thought he came, um, he came in like a he. Go I, ahead. We I thought they did well in that deal. I know you were telling me a lot of people were upset uh, in Vegas that they didn't get. I know they got just draft picks, but you know they got a three. Uh, this this coming year and then another and then the two the following year those are pretty two pretty good picks for an unknown town who you know, wound up getting four and a half million a year. Uh, it's a real gamble on New Jersey's part. They're going to either look really smart or really stupid. Um, but uh, be that as it may, yeah. uh, I, I thought I thought Vegas did well like that, and I don't think they're going to be running to draft uh, Russian forwards anytime soon. We're looking to yeah, sign a yeah. lot of Russian forwards. <laughs> <laughs> After the last I, I, couple of years, I'm with, I'm, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it might be a bitter taste in the mouth up there uh, for the Russian players. Uh, they still have Valentin Zaykov under contract, but um, I'm, he's probably not going to see too much of the big league roster. Um, so Brandon Fury came in and, and, like a ball of fire, and certainly cooled off. Um, when he moving back to the third line, he was playing second line left wing while Pacioretty was injured. And we'll see if there's some chemistry that can get built between him and Eakin and Tuck on that third line. Um, otherwise, you might have to see what you can do. Uh, Nosek played some, some left wing as well. Um, so that's... And Eakin was one of... And Eakin has, was one... I was just gonna say Eakin was one of their top players last year from Pillar to Post. He was, he was from Pillar to Post. He was one of their top three or four guys if you think about it. Yeah, well, when the the, the debacle in San Jose on Game Seven, when you had the the five minute major penalty, you, two of your mate, two of your uh, best penalty killers in Belmar who missed that game with injury, and Eakin being a, a game misconduct. Um, weren't on the ice for that. So the effects of Eakin not being available uh, in that situation was obvious. So I, I'm looking that the, the questions for me are, what are we going to do on the fourth line with Belmar being gone? I think that's a big loss. I think your center depth is hurt quite a bit with Halla being out. Can Cody Glass be that guy if there's an injury to the top, top three forwards? You don't obviously want Cody Glass playing, playing, fourth line center you want him in the AHL playing first line center if that's what the roster shakes out to be and how can that third line left wing uh, chip in and help offensively without being a defensive liability I think those are and obviously Marc-Andre Fleury his health and and continued production are going to tell the tale on the 2019-20 Vegas Golden Knights I look for them to be really high up in the Pacific Division I look for them to be a uh, Stanley Cup contender out of the West uh, all all things being equal injuries notwithstanding this is going to be a very good team but there are some questions that maybe haven't been there 
uh, heading into the season in the last couple of years. And, and Chris, if you have any final thoughts on the Vegas Golden Knights before we move on to episode number two this morning. I do. Yeah, I'm with you in terms of it's hard for me not to see them landing in that top three comfortably. Uh, it's a combination of the depth uh, overall of their team, the talent, and also the teams after Calgary, San Jose, and Vegas. There's, I Even though these other teams are getting better, um, there's still quite a bit of gap, and I have to see it to believe it. So, um, and so I, I, I would be very surprised uh, to see Vegas, uh, not to see Vegas in the playoffs uh, come this come this year. It's the kind of thing, the way the league is now, um, like last, I look at last year, you know, they lost in the first round, which doesn't sound uh, great, but I mean, easily you could have won that series and who knows, gotten uh, at least to the Western Conference Finals kind of thing. Uh, the difference between winning and losing in this league uh, in the regular season, let alone the playoffs. So, uh, you know, they, they're going to probably could wind up grabbing a, a Calgary or a San Jose in round one. And, you know, to me, they could easily win that series or easily lose it. So I, I, I kind of view the, the postseason as kind of up for grabs, being healthy at the right time and getting on a roll. But in terms of the regular season, hard for me to see them not having a really successful campaign of, Let's let's set the bar. Let's set the number at a hundred point season. Yeah, I I agree with that. If, if everything plays out the way uh, we think it should, this is going to be a very very good Vegas Golden Knights team. Um, yeah, I say a hundred points is 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 very yeah in that range. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, somewhere between 97 and 102. I mean, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, does it make a huge difference between, let's say, Calgary, San Jose, and Vegas are the top three? Does it really make a difference at the end of the day who's one, who's two, and who's three? I mean, I guess it does from the standpoint of game seven being the road team um, if you're yeah. in a 2 3 uh, <laughs> matchup. Make a difference. But even count. A quick. Uh... Okay. It makes a major difference. <laughs> <laughs> but even Calgary, who won the division line, you're like, oh, yeah, but if you win the division, you get one of the wild card teams. No, they got Colorado, which, you know, obviously was beyond a hand. They, Colorado beat them and then went on to push the Sharks uh, to seven games. Um, so uh, even winning the division and getting a wild card team, I don't think there's really, especially, I don't think there's a huge difference there in terms of a little bit of an inferior competition kind of thing. So, um, Agreed. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I don't really think – I mean, I, I don't think it really matters that much who finishes one, two, and three. You like to finish – you either like to win the division or be in the two spot uh, to get home ice in round one. Uh, but I don't think it's going to – I don't think you're going to – it's going to kill you if you want to be in the three seed. Uh I'd really like home ice, and I think the players yeah. are going to be. Uh, they're, they're, all, they're saying all the right things about um, we got a bad taste in our mouth from last year. We're going to come out, and, and I look for them to get off to a very good start to the regular season, and, and that should carry through momentum wise into the spring. So Unlike that's kind of what right? we're looking for. Yeah, 
kind of what we're looking for in the Vegas Golden Knights this season. Um, we're going to wrap this episode up and and head into the Pacific Division shortly. So for Chris on Mark, and we're gone. <laughs> Thank you.